After a week of teeth gnashing following the LSU loss, Ole Miss went over and put more yards on Texas A&M at home rushing than almost anybody else. And if they had known that that was happening, they would have put more rushing yards than anybody else. This is the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for tuning in. Ladarius Tennyson was an absolute monster, and everybody's talking about the Texas A&M game and what happened, but they might not be talking about him. We will explain that in just a little bit. And also, thank you very much for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, participate in the comment section below and upvote in the video itself. Thank you very much for for that. Anyway, Ladarius Tennyson was an absolute monster. And I think all these other people are getting credit. I think Tennyson needs to get the credit he deserves in this takeaway video because, you know, it's Halloween. It's different. We're putting this game to bed before we go to potentially the biggest Ole Miss football game in 20 years. But Ladarius Tennyson on the edge. Now, Ole Miss's defense, it's tons of hand wringing about the run defense. And people have discovered a way to play against it. And the, and the reality is the box safeties in Ole Miss's cases, Otis Reese and Ladarius Tennyson, are forced to play a role that the NFL players that run a 3-4 defense, they'd be 260 pounds. Basically defensive ends that can run. And Ladarius Tennyson is not that. He's probably 210, 215. Otis Reese, the same thing. But they're having to stand up against pulling linemen, and physics problems become an issue. Well, Ladarius Tennyson caused all kinds of trouble. And after A&M started, A&M had a beautiful script to start the game, by the way. The first two series of the game, absolutely perfect. Credit to Jimbo Fisher for that, Devin A. Chain. But we told you that he was not a workload type of running back. He is not somebody that is going to get the ball 35 times in a game. He's going to wear down. His sweet spot is about 15 to 20 carries. So whenever they hit that early in the second quarter, I think they went over 15, you kind of knew that um, Devin A. Change production was about to stop. And they did. And part of that is because of Ladarius Tennyson and the work he did off the edge Otis Reese on the other side off the edge. Those two box safeties were instrumental in holding Devin A. Chain to 136 yards. And I think Devin A. Chain had 125 early in the second quarter. So they did a really good job against the run. I told you last week, it's like Ole Miss can survive 90 yards to 120 yards from Devin A. Chain. And that was including, in my thought, like a touchdown, run the ball. But they were able to handle 135 and no touchdowns and pretty much did his job. Now, everybody is going to talk about Connor Wiegman having a day. That defense was so hell-bent on stopping Devin A-Chain and being really conscientious and worried about the run game that 
there were some RPOs and some stuff off the play passes that normally Ole Miss doesn't really give up um, because they were so just locked in on stopping the run because they didn't want to happen what happened against LSU. They didn't want to happen um, what happened against Auburn. They were really genuinely worried about that. Now, the good thing to know about this game, and this is absolutely huge, is confidence was built off of this game. Everybody, everybody had questions about the defense post-Auburn. And then against LSU, it was exasperated. And it's like, oh my gosh, we have a real problem. And then against Texas A&M, now this is not a solid running team. This is not a solid offensive team. I get that. But it didn't really matter. Neither was Auburn. Auburn ran for 300 yards on Ole Miss's defense. Tulsa ran for 260, running an air raid type scheme. So, understand that this is important for confidence building. Now, the next two weeks are instrumental for the defense because they need to get well. That, that's a ton of their problem is the fact that they just can't quite get well. And once they are and they're back up to full strength, they're close to it, the defense will be better than it was. But we all know, if you're hurting, if you're not quite 100%, you're probably not going to go in as hard as if you did. And also, if you go in not quite as hard, you're likely to exasperate the injury. But we have a shot against Alabama. They run the ball, I think they're fourth in the SEC in rushing. They they run for about 210 a game. Um, Most of their plays, their big yardage plays is explosive. Their yards per rush is over 600 or six yards a carry. And... So I think this provides a little bit different twist. Everybody got real fixated on my um, quote that if you told me that Ole Miss went 3-1 and in the season, I would assume the loss was to Arkansas and not Alabama. Let me explain what I mean by that. Yes, Alabama can run the ball. They have five stars all over the field. They better be able to run the ball. They better be able to do something. They ran for 24 yards against Mississippi State. Other than one 80-yard run, they ran for like 70 yards against Texas. This is not an elite rushing team. They make their money on explosive plays by Jameer Gibbs and Jalen Milrow and those guys. They put up huge numbers because of them. If you look at their number of carries, it's actually fairly low. But their explosives build up their yards. So you need to tackle well against Alabama. That, that is step one. Tackle well. But this isn't a team like last year where they can hand the ball to Brian Robinson, get four yards of carry, and there isn't a single thing you could do about it. This isn't that team. This is the team that will run the ball 20 times and run it for two yards of carry, 18, and had two 80-yard runs. That, that's this team. So it is going to be imperative that Ole Miss tackles well. Shores up the back end because they're going to have to play a ton of pass defense. Um, last year, I think Bryce Young threw for like 170 and a pick. That was his Heisman Trophy year. But they're not going to run the quarterback, even though he, as mobile as he is, he's so slight. And honestly, I think um, the Jalen Milrow situation from the A&M game might have scared Saban. So I'm not expecting Bryce Young to run very much at all. I think Alabama is going to try and play Ole Miss straight up. Why you saw LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky try to beat Ole Miss a certain way. Alabama thinks they're good enough 
to where it doesn't matter what we do. It's just they can beat us anyway because they're the more talented team. And, you know, 80%, they're probably 80% correct. But it's a football game. Anybody can win it. Um, it doesn't matter what's going on. Bama is a 14-point favorite on the road in LSU. They'll probably be similar to that when they come into Vaught-Hemingway Stadium next weekend. So there's a two-touchdown thing that Alabama's favored that the Ole Miss-Alabama game will be the most important Ole Miss football game in 20 years since Eli took the field. It's going to be a huge occasion. And looking at Alabama running like that, and then you look at what Arkansas does with Rocket Sanders and K.J. Jefferson and how they are able to just completely mash you. They can absolutely play murder ball probably than anybody probably better than anybody on our schedule. It's a horrible, horrible matchup. And I hope they take the off week to at least find something that they can do that can throw them off because you have to win first down against Arkansas. You have to put them in long yardage. If you allow them to go second and six, third and two, first down, second and six, third, if you do that, they're going to score at will. Rocket Sanders, KJ, really good players. Jameer Gibbs, Bryce Young, really good players. Will Rogers, really good player. These are three teams that all three can beat Ole Miss. You wouldn't have it any other way, but that's true. If Ole Miss does not play well, all three of those teams can get them. If Ole Miss plays really well, they can get all three of these teams. Now, the varying degree differs from teams. Ole Miss has a better chance of beating Arkansas and State than they do of Alabama. Period. I mean, th this isn't hard. Everybody knows this. Alabama has a six next to their name for a reason. But Ole Miss has a 10 next to their name um, for a reason as well. They're eating one. And misspoke in the postgame show. The last time Ole Miss was 8-1 was 1990. That was the um, Russ Shiles in Michigan year, that, that year. And in their 8-1 game, when they were 8-1, they played Tennessee essentially for the SEC title before it split up into divisions. The game was in Memphis, if y'all remember correctly. And um, Tennessee kind of took it to Ole Miss, won the game. Ole Miss ended up in the Gator Bowl. I think Tennessee might have gone to the Sugar Bowl. I think the winner of that game. But it was a similar situation to what Ole Miss will face November 12th. This is a big deal. I know I've kind of varied a little bit off the track because Ladarius Tennyson did have a huge, monstrous day. But I am going to turn the page on this Texas A&M win really quickly because this Alabama game is monstrous. And over the next two weeks, we are going to talk about the Alabama game. Just period. Next week, we're going to have Jake Thomas from Tide Talk um, Live. Um, we're going to have the guy, like Luke Robinson from Locked On Bama, is going to come on and do a crossover. We are going to give you guys perspectives. Because you don't need to just all listen to me. I'm just a dude. I just have an opinion. I have a pretty educated opinion from time to time. But it's still just an opinion. So we're going to try and find as many perspectives as we can do. And, and all the contributors will be back next week as well. I think Kara is not going to be on this week. And um, Tom will be on tomorrow. So it's, we're going to do a little bit of rearranging as well. 
But it should be pretty cool um, with what's going on, really, honestly. Anyway, I do want to tell you about Bet Online. It's your number one source for all your betting football and um, the start of basketball season. Find the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcast, and in-depth analysis on every game. As you can see below, Ole Miss is on a bye week, so there is no line to talk about, but I'm assuming the Ole Miss-Alabama game will be somewhere around 14 whenever it opens. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. It's BetOnline. It's where the game starts. All right. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter to the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. It's Locked On Sports today. It's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right. So we kind of went out of orders in the first segment. We talked about how big of a monster Ladarius Tennyson was, but I think he needed to shout out because nobody's talking about his play. But offensively, Dart and Judkins were the stars, and Evans to some extent. And whenever Zach Evans plays, by the way, this offense is so much better. We talked about this last week, um, his ability to run outside, the ability to get in space. He's just a hard man to deal with. Ladarius Tennyson up the middle. I do think against Alabama we are going to see some 20 personnel um, with Judkins being able to run up the middle, and you also have um, Zach Evans doing outside zone type stuff. There's there's a lot of things they can do. There might even be some 21 personnel where you take the slot receiver off the field, maybe even put somebody like Jonathan Mingo um, in there where he can kind of do both. So it should be really cool to see. But Jackson Dart was completely in control that game. Absolutely in control. Did not look rattled for an instant. He looked rattled against LSU. LSU got to these guys last week. You saw in the fourth quarter, everything snowballed on Ole Miss, and everything got out of hand for him. Just really, really quick. That drive where Judkins just broke the long run and ended up scoring a touchdown to make it 31-21 as opposed to 24-21, that's the drive that needed to happen in Tiger Stadium. That's the drive that was important where um, the hit happened, there was a mistake, interception was thrown, and all of a sudden it started just really snowballing on Ole Miss. So they got that. Dart looked supremely comfortable. And, the, and my biggest takeaway from this game is these young guys, they need experiences. It wasn't the same game in Baton Rouge as it was in College Station. Same atmosphere. College Station was... It was bumping. It was rowdy. It was 100,000 people on their feet. And Ole Miss didn't even look phased even a little bit. And that is impressive. A, Jackson Dart and his supreme talent, him not shrinking in the bright lights, that's huge. That, that, that's a big thing for me to take in. Quinshawn Judkins at running back, Absolute monster, may be the best running back in the country. He's got 1,036 yards through nine games. There's at least four left for him. He will probably shatter the school rushing record. Um, I think he has to average somewhere around 70 yards a game in his last four to hit it. 
Now, if Ole Miss wins in two weeks, it's a different conversation because you might have five games at that point. But Quinshawn Judkins, I think he's the best running back in the country. Now, when you look at Quinshawn Judkins' game and what he can bring, once he learns how to be a better outside runner, oh my goodness. If he can be a better outside runner, he'll be an absolute monster because you can see with Zach Evans and how they need Zach Evans as these two backs can complement each other and their work on the edge and in space and up the middle and forcing the defense to do different things, running their various triple options. Because the one thing is, I, th- I don't know where it was on Twitter, but um, Rick Neuheisel was talking about the triple options that Ole Miss run. And everybody's like, Ole Miss does not run the triple options. And that started happening on Twitter. And it's like, yes, they do. It's just not the options you're thinking of. One of my favorite plays in the Lane Kiffin arsenal is a play out of the shotgun, simply, and you got have a guy in jet sweep motion. The handoff for him is option one. You're reading somebody there. If you don't do it, you have the ability to turn and give on the inside zone to the running back. That's option two. And option three is the quarterback keeping itself. So you're actually reading as it goes. It's, it's a true triple option. It's just not the options you're thinking of. And Ole Miss is unbelievably successful running the ball right now about 270 yards a game they're leading the nation in rushing touchdowns and a lot of it has to do with these options that they're doing it's everybody likes to say rpo rpo because the option's been around forever but this isn't this is like an rro you know on most of these run plays there's there's tags on everything there's more than one thing that can happen based on what somebody does. We always talk all the time about how <clears throat> this offense tortures linebackers. And this is another way it does that is by having several reads that go different directions to where if you fall step one way or another, all of a sudden a half yard of space, a half second of um, information opens up and the Ole Miss offense can exploit it. This is why also, I think people need to understand, this is not going to be a drop-back passing team. This team is not built to be a drop-back passing team. Whenever you drop back pass, it's going to be easier to get pressure on the quarterback because most of the passes we are calling are RPOs, which means run blocking, which means they're not even pass setting and doing all the things they need to do. Probably 70 80% of those is that. That is what they're drilled at doing. Whenever they have to drop back and do a normal pass set, it's uncomfortable for them. They haven't repped it this year because this team isn't doing it. That's not the way they were built to do it. I think against Georgia Tech, I said, you know, that game looked a whole lot like 90s Nebraska to where the defense just completely shut down the other team and the offense just methodically just squeezed them until you look up and it's midway through the second quarter and the game's over. There's no chance for the offense for Georgia Tech to do anything they need to do. There's no chance for the Georgia Tech defense to really stop this offense with these backs. Now, things are going to get tougher in the next couple of weeks. But Darton Judkins and even Evans, if he can get healthy, maybe a Ulysses Bentley IV, if he can get healthy, 
there's several toys that Ole Miss is going to be able to do for Alabama. As you can tell, I'm going to have Alabama on the mind for the next 12 days. If if that bothers you, that yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's there. So whatever Ole Miss does, the thought process becomes, how can you affect Alabama? Everybody's going to say, Ole Miss doesn't have a chance against Alabama. Maybe, but if that chance is greater than 0%, you need to get fired up. You need to believe. You need to understand. Because in 2020, Ole Miss had no defense. Literally, Alabama gained every yard they could gain but seven in that game. Every yard they could gain but seven. There was no resistance on that field. Ole Miss went up and down the field offensively on them, and you can find a way to make it happen. If it was a bad snap that caused Ole Miss to have to settle for a field goal, that it ended up costing them that game. This is all possible. Every bit of this is possible. But, yeah, Dart and Judkins were the stars. That's the takeaway. Zach Evans needs to get healthy because this offense is different when Zach Evans is fully running and hitting on all cylinders. Um, you can see it, what he does on the outside in space. It's absolutely fantastic. It's compliment to Quinshawn. It's fantastic. And Jackson Dart at 220 pounds as a running quarterback. I mean, he's kind of a weapon. So Alabama is going to have to prepare for that run offense. And in the past, run offenses have gotten Alabama, even great Alabama defensive team. I think the Citadel or somebody ran for 270 yards or something against Alabama. So an option scheme can get them. So it's not as simple as what it looks like. There's probably some tags that are coming off the place. When we come back, a little Week 10 lines action. We will talk about what's going on. We get the bye week. We get to relax. We get to enjoy college football. Other teams get the grind. And there's some big, big games this weekend. Anyway, stick around. All right, thanks for making the Lock On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. So leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say. Just leave a five-star review. That'll help people that search Ole Miss Podcast in the Google machine find these shows. So thank you very much for that. We're all about having fun. We're all about commentary. And we're all about perspectives. And I think that's the best way to follow Ole Miss sports. So thank you very much for that. Leave that review if you will. All right, today we are going to look at the Week 10 lines. And we got some fancy new graphics from the Locked On people that are going to kind of... It's going to look pretty cool, actually. But... It should be fun. So we got a couple of slides over, and we're going to um, figure out what's going on as well. But here we go, the Week 10 lines. Kentucky is at Mizzou. Kentucky's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Kentucky got absolutely boat raced in Knoxville. Their season is kind of teetering. They now have losses to Ole Miss, South Carolina, and Tennessee. I know one of these teams is not like the other. Mizzou beat South Carolina. Um, so this could be almost a trap bet to where they're thinking Kentucky people are going to pile on. Will Levis does not look like a first-round quarterback. He looks like, uh, I don't know exactly what he looks like, but it's not a first-round quarterback. Maybe he's a, he's a day three guy at best, but he's got talent. He's got tools, but he's not quite there. The big game of the day is Tennessee and Georgia. That's probably going to be a number one versus number two matchup as everything changes to the playoff matchups 
um, once the playoff show comes out Tuesday, the rankings are all going to change. So get ready for that. Georgia's a nine-point favorite over the Tennessee Vols. I know Athens is going to be rocking. If you tune in to SEC After Dark Wednesday night, um, Jeb and Corey, Tennessee and Georgia fan, we're going to let them go a little bit. Um, but this should be a fun game. This is one of those games to where Tennessee has a chance, if they can get on Georgia's defense and score a little bit, to put a little pressure on that offense. If it goes vice versa to where Tennessee has to score with Georgia, that's that's not where they really want to live, honestly. Alabama, a 14-point favorite at LSU. Honestly, I expect this line to be similar when they come to Vaughn Hemingway Stadium. Um, Alabama, two-touchdown favorite for the game in the last 20 years to happen in Oxford, Mississippi. So whenever we're talking about it, it's almost like a foregone conclusion. That's one. Now, that's not saying LSU can't win the game because they can, but they're not – there's, the probability isn't there. The same thing's going to happen next week, honestly. The probability isn't there, but Ole Miss can win the game. Florida is at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a three-point favorite over the Gators. You saw a Texas A&M team that woke up a little bit. I expect Texas A&M to win this game. I expect Texas A&M to cover fairly well. Um, Florida does not well st- do well stopping the run. Connor Wiegman showed me a little bit. I love the receivers, Evan Stewart and Moose Muhammad. If this team had Anaya Smith right now, they'd be fairly dangerous. I I think they're going to be okay. This is going to get sloppy. This is probably going to be the come get, come down game for Wigman. If you remember correctly, um, back to 2016 when Shea Patterson was forced into a game against Texas A&M and he had an all-world comeback thing, and then the next week he kind of came down to earth, that's kind of a similar situation that I'm expecting this week. Liberty is at Arkansas. Arkansas is a 14-point favorite. Um, this is a big game. Liberty is ranked, um, and they're 7-1, and one, and their only loss is by one point to Wake Forest. This is a game that could get weird. Now, Arkansas has the advantage of Rocket Sanders and K.J. Jefferson, and with Kendall Bryles, it becomes an interesting situation for them because they can absolutely play murder ball with the other team and just completely take the joy. I don't know if Arkansas will get to 14 points in this game, this game could honestly, in my opinion, be like a 21 to 10 type game. I think Liberty has a fairly good team, and I think they're being underrated by people. But we'll see exactly how it goes. Auburn is at Mississippi State. Mississippi State is favored by 10 and a half points. This is one of those games that could go absolutely either way. I mean, there, there's no way to look at it other than that because – Auburn could either make this a competitive game, because I think Mississippi State's going to win the game regardless, um, or they could absolutely quit, because we've hit that point in the season where they could just completely let go of the rope. Mississippi State wins this game 41-10, to or Mississippi State wins this game 27-24. to it, it will be interesting to see what happens, but that affects how you look at this line, because it's almost at the point where until Auburn fully lets go of the rope, you're a little nervous betting on these games because Auburn could rise up a little bit, just like A&M did this past weekend in College Station. But it will be interesting to see. Also, South Carolina is at Vanderbilt in the last game of the day. South Carolina is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Remember this game in South Carolina, in Columbia last year, South Carolina needed a miracle drive at the end to beat a much worse Vanderbilt team. If you are hearing by the tone of my voice that I am not impressed by South Carolina, 
you're probably correct. Um, I, I think Vandy is going to get somebody. They're running out of time to do it this year, but they're going to probably get somebody. This is probably their best opportunity to do it. Um, I don't know if South Carolina is seven and a half points better than anybody. I know they've won games by more than seven and a half points, but that usually involves scoring in ways other than offensively. This team, South Carolina team, is pretty offensively challenged, and Missouri kind of had their way with the Gamecocks over the weekend. It, it, was, it was pretty interesting to see what's going on. Anyway, that was the lines for the week. Anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter to the, the matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. It's Locked On Sports Today. It's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Anyway, thank you for tuning in today. Um, this was our three te- takeaways episode. We are going to talk Ole Miss and Alabama for the next 12 days. We're also going to talk a little basketball. We're going to do that, take advantage of the bye week. We've got Jason Jordan going to come on and do a basketball recruiting thing. We're going to probably try and find somebody that can um, talk about the team. We're going to do that, but we're going to get in the mindset of Ole Miss and Alabama. So stay tuned for that. And of course, Um, Have fun following Ole Miss football. That's what this is all about, having fun. Seriously. Anyway, I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.